It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Hi, I'm Stacy Tresinkos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Good morning. This Good is morning. <laughs> December the 9th. Happy Friday. This is the second week of Advent, the 58th episode of the second season of the Stacy and Stacy podcast, where we focus each morning at eight o'clock on scripture and tradition and and saints um, and uh, trivia. <laughs> and we apply everything to our lives and how we walk things out. And we are 50 plus years young and yes, walked out a lot in our lives. But God, who is rich in mercy, has always walked with us. So we love to share with you how we have uh, learned to walk things out and grow closer to God. And Stacy talks to us today from the catechism. Stacy, what do you think? Yes, talk? and I am still up here in Seattle. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm on a two-hour time difference. I'll be flying yeah. home today. So by Monday... Um, on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, I will be back at, I'll be home by then. Yeah. Today we are covering in the Catechism, paragraphs 160, 161, and 162 on the freedom of faith, the necessity of faith, and the perseverance in faith. Just some mm -hmm. lightweight stuff to end out the week. I love that. I love it. It's going to be good. Uh, it's beautiful. Yes. Okay. All right. Shall we get started with your beautiful prayer? <laughs> yes, let's get started. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father God, for this day, for all your blessings. Thank you for our families, our children, and our spouses. Help us to look, Lord, help us to look past ourselves and to look to you for direction and instruction give us the courage and strength and the wisdom that we need to do all that you ask of us please open the eyes of our understanding that we would comprehend your scriptures and give us fresh eyes to see you and ears to hear you mother mary please pray for us in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen amen Okay, so grab your tea, coffee, water bottle, and your Bible, and be sure to spend some time with the Lord today. So, like Stacy said, the um, Lady of Guadalupe, the Feast of Lady of Guadalupe is the 12th, which is Monday. And in preparation for that, today is the um, St. Juan Diego Feast Day. So we are we're not saying his last name. No, we are not. <laughs> no. Um <laughs> I tried and I just I I can't do I it. <laughs> me too, same. <laughs> um so 
on catholic.org and there will be a link in the notes uh, you can go back and read this is there's a lot to read here and a lot of you are very familiar with this story but i just wanted to kind of briefly go through it um he was on his way to mass one day actually to celebrate the feast of the immaculate conception and he was stopped by a beautiful sight of a radiant woman it says who introduced herself as the ever perfect Holy Mary, who has the honor to be the mother of the true God. And she told him that she was the mother of all those who lived in his land and asked him to make a request at the local bishop. She wanted them to build a chapel in her honor, which uh, on a, uh, the same site that a former pagan temple had been built. So he went to the bishop. The bishop said, let me think about it. She go, he goes back and actually encounters the Virgin Mary a second time. And he felt bad because he felt like he'd let her down and he didn't think that he was the man for the job, but she reassured him. And he went back the next day to make his request known again. And this time the bishop asked for proof. So he went back and, and he met her a third time and she agreed to giving, to give the bishop proof. And as the story goes, um, he missed the appointment. To, they set a date for him to meet with her, and it was supposed to be December the eleventh. But he, his uncle, got sick. He wasn't able to meet with her, and so he went the next day and explained to her what had happened. And she said, "Am I not here? I, who am your mother?" And she promised that his uncle would be cured and asked him to climb to the hill and collect the flowers growing there. And he obeyed and found many flowers blooming in December on the rocky land. And he filled his cloak with the flowers and he returned to her. And she arranged the flowers within his cloak and told him that this would be the sign that he was to present to the bishop. So when he found the bishop, he opened his cloak and the bishop was presented with a miraculous imprint image of the Virgin Mary on the flower filled cloak. And the next day his uncle was healed and his uncle also saw the Virgin Mary and she instructed him on her desires to have a church built on the hill and also told him she wanted to be known with the title of Guadalupe. So News spread quickly, and there are many miracles. Um, the bishop kept his uh, cloak in the private chapel and placed it on public display there, and there's been many miracles surrounding that. So you can go back and read it at uh, the link. I kind of skimmed over it real quickly, but you, it's a long story here. It's a beautiful story, and you can go back and kind of you know look over that and read it. Um, it's a, my husband, Jose, recently was in Guadalajara, Mexico to give a talk on fetal tissue research. And he was blown away by the devotion to Our Lady there. Mm. And um, the priest who works at the, the place where that cloak is stored um, took Jose there and gave him a tour. So he saw it. Oh, my goodness. And uh, yeah, we hope to go to go down there. Maybe you and I can go there. Yes, absolutely. I would love, love to. That. I'd love to. Okay. Well, today is, we're going to read the, um, the Psalm, the responsorial Psalm, and it is Psalm one, the 
first Psalm. <laughs> so, happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the, in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The response for the responsorial psalm is, those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. All right, so be sure to read your footnotes when you read through the Bible. They usually give you clarification. Um, they help you understand a little bit more the context, and they can also lead you to another scripture. And I can't tell you how many scripture treasure hunts I have found and and been on because I've been led from one scripture to the next. And a lot of times I can start out with the scripture that it refers me to in the footnotes. So I, I love how you, you do read, that. Yeah. I encourage <laughs> you to read your, your footnotes. Okay. So this is the first book in the book of Psalms. And it actually is, it's telling you the difference. It's contrast contrasting the dis destiny of the wicked and the destiny of the righteous. So in my footnote, just to let you know what it says, the psalm views life as activity, as choosing either the good or the bad. Each way, quote unquote, brings its inevitable consequences. The wise, through their good actions, will experience rootedness in life, and the wicked experience rootlessness and, and death. So, consequences for our actions, right? We, we, I used to tell my kids all the time um, that there would be consequences. You can choose, you can choose, you know, what your choices, you have choices, but they will always produce consequences and you can't choose your consequences. Um, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, it, we see where They've all gathered together to enter into the covenant with the Lord in order that he may establish them as his people and he may be their God. The Lord is telling them what he will do if they obey and what will happen if they disobey. And he says to them, surely I'm not asking too much of you. He goes on to say, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. God has been giving us choices from the very beginning. He lets us make those choices and he lets us walk out those consequences. He encourages us to make the right choice and he lets us know, most of the time he, he lets us know what that, that right choice is, but he won't make it for us. How hard it is. How many times have we seen our kids making the wrong choices, knowing that they know what the right choice is, but they still choose to do what they shouldn't. And it's so hard as parents, so hard as a mom to watch them not only make that bad choice when you just want to scream and say, that's not what you should do. But then we have to watch them walk it out, that consequence. And it's so hard. 
Yesterday, we read where God put a tree in the middle of the garden that Adam and Eve lived in. They were very much aware of the tree. God didn't hide it behind a big bush in the back of the garden. It wasn't camouflaged. It was right in front of them daily for them to choose daily to obey God. Daily, they would say, as for me and my garden, we will serve the Lord. But we know eventually they they tasted the fruit of that tree. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. This is saying you won't be happy if you take the path that sinners tread. Remember the wide road we talked about that led to destruction? That tree that was in the middle of the garden, Adam and Eve did take a bite of it. God let them make that choice. He didn't He didn't guard that tree. He didn't put angels around that tree to guard it, to keep them from eating it. He knew they would. He knows the end from the beginning. And they ate it, and then they had to walk out that consequence. And many chase after money, promotion, fame, and they sacrifice family and morals to achieve their goals. And we probably have all done this to some extent in some way or another. And the happiness we find on that path is deceiving. It deceives us and attracts us, but the happiness we find is fleeting. Okay, it goes on to say, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. The law of the Lord. We read in Psalm 19 that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The happy ones delight in the law of the Lord, studying it, learning it, so they can obey Him, choosing life for themselves and for their descendants that they both may live, taking that narrow road that we talked about, not necessarily the easy road. However, they are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all that they do, they prosper. They are the fruitful ones. They are positioned. They are provided for, and they produce fruit in its season, not in their season. Surrendering our timing to God is so important because it is His timing that counts. So many times we try to jump out ahead of God and we don't produce the fruit that we would have produced had we waited on his timing. They produce, these produce fruit in all that they do because they long to serve the Lord and what do what he asks of them. Do whatever he's asking them to do. And they do it because they love the Lord and they want to serve him. Not, not by way of eye service, um, men pleasers like it talks about in the Bible, but they want to do the will of God from the heart. Those are the ones that produce fruit that are fruitful. It goes on to say the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. And the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The wicked aren't so lucky the ones that refuse God, the ones that choose self over God. So it sounds like this psalm is 
painting a picture of two roads, one for the wicked and one for the righteous. Good versus bad, appropriate versus inappropriate, right versus wrong. One thing to consider is that in the world, we have pressures, we have persecution. There will be tribulation, which is troubles, pressures. But Jesus tells us that he has overcome the world. It says, I have told you this, that you may have peace in me. In the world, you will have trouble, but take courage. I have conquered the world. That's in John 16, 33. So we will have trouble because like I always say, he didn't promise us a rose garden. We will have troubles. But saying yes to Jesus, even though it's not a get out of jail free card, it's not a get out of trouble free card. I mean, we still have to walk through, muddle through, walk through this life. I guess the question is, do you want to walk through this life with Jesus or without Jesus? So when you're in your quiet time today, ask the Lord to show you if there's any area in your life right now where you're not giving him first place. Ask him if there's anything you need to surrender to him. Because choosing Jesus is choosing life. So choose life so that both you and your descendants may live. Stacy, it's like you've been in my philosophy classes with me. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, because no, I, I love, um, as I've been saying, I'm, I'm a philosophy <laughs> student. You're a scripture study student right now. And we're, we're lifelong learners. But I've been putting off learning philosophy ever since I became Catholic. Cause I, I didn't even know I needed to learn it before that. And I'm finally learning it and I'm understanding now why so much of the wisdom from the ancient Greeks played such a big role in how we understood the teachings of Christ. And uh, I just finished like studying the, for the last term paper and writing about something called you diamonism it's a theory of happiness how um what you were just saying stacy how there are consequences there's fate there's fortune but we're not imprisoned by any of that because true happiness aristotle said and then aquinas said and the church says that true happiness is found in beatitude by being in communion with god um, because that's what we're made for. And that's the aim of our whole life. And even when we don't realize it, even when we don't recognize that God exists, or even when we don't know about Christ or love Jesus, that all the decisions we make as humans, as rational creatures with intellect and free will, we're all just pursuing happiness. We're making decisions because we think they'll make us happy. And sometimes we're wrong about that. And we think money and power and fame and new Mustangs will make us happy, but real happiness comes from that, that peace and joy interiorly. Mm. And um, Aristotle was aiming for that. And then of course, when Christ came, we understood that interior happiness is being united with Christ. So, I mean, literally at the end of mass, after we receive communion, that's, that should be our happiest moments. Um, Because that's a little bit of a foretaste of heaven. Uh, But yeah, it all fits together. And it's so neat to be seeing 
all these connections. I was just thinking about that as you were talking about consequences and things, because there are very flawed ethical theories that say we should only make our choices depending on what the consequences will be. And of course, as any mother knows, you don't always know what the consequences will be. <laughs> you don't. You just you don't. You just know that there will be some and you're not in control of those consequences. Yes. I mean, I mean, there's the consequences, the law of the land. But, you know, that that's not really even the ones we're talking about. You mm -hmm. know, there's, there's that long term ripple effect from the choices that we make. And we don't know the, the long term consequences that we'll have to walk through. I mean, like no. I think we've said before we're old enough now that even choices we made when we were younger, yeah. I can still see ripple effects from them. I can still Amen. see consequences right now today, 20, 30 years later that I'm walking out, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, that will, you know, always be a part of my life. Um, but God gives you grace when, when you surrender to the Lord. And I mean, like you said, yes, you are trying to make choices to make you happy. Like you, you think these things will make you happy. I mean, and, and society, the world tells us it will, the world says, Hey, go to college, get a job, move up the, the ladder, do whatever it takes to move up that ladder, get as many promotions as you can make as much money as you can. And I mean, so we're kind of, it's ingrained in us. We're kind of taught to be successful. This is the path that you need to take. And if that path is not the one that is seeking God and God's will for our lives and God's heart for us, if we're not aligning our will up with his will and our mind up with his mind and our, you know, our um, actions with what he would have us to do, then we're missing out on something so huge. And we really won't know it until we have that epiphany, until we have that that aha moment where we realize, Oh, wait a minute. I've been chasing the wrong thing. I, know. You know? I think that happens for a lot of people around their thirties. <laughs> I, I know with some of my kids, I'm like, well, just wait till they get to be 30 and it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do we call that growing up? <laughs> I think so. No, Cause I mean, I mean, I have to say for the most part, my kids are way ahead of where I was at their age. So I'm very yeah. proud of them for that. That's awesome. Uh, but I know for myself, I didn't really like things didn't really start making sense till I was in my thirties. Some of my, I, I will tell you a couple of my kids are, are ahead of the game as where I was at their age. And I think those are the ones that can learn from my mistakes. Cause I've been pretty transparent with them and they, they know pretty much everything. And, and I think those are the ones that can learn from my mistakes. The ones that want to learn from their own mistakes and make their own, you know, they want to go out and mess up for themselves. Those are the ones that seem to struggle a little bit more. Yeah, it's a rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, well, on that note, it fits with what you were saying today, Stacey. Um, and I, I love how everything the church teaches just fits together as a testament to that. We go through the scripture each day, according to the USCCB daily readings for the United States Catholic Church, the church in the United States. Uh, and I just go through the catechism one paragraph after another, but there's always connections, mm -hmm. always. And it's not planned. Mm -hmm. it's, just it's just because beautiful. it all fits together. So the lesson today in the catechism come from the next three sections, and we're still talking about what it means to believe. Um, paragraphs 160, 161, and 162 talk about the freedom of faith, the necessity of faith, and the perseverance in faith. 
So we've been talking about faith and what it means to believe, to accept the testimony of someone who's credible, which of more than anything in the world, infinitely more so than any human is God is credible to believe. So faith, certain faith in Christ is very reasonable of the utmost reason. Um, but what, what does it mean to have the freedom of faith? So this one, this paragraph 160 says to be human Man's response to God by faith must be free. And therefore, nobody is to be forced to embrace the faith against his will. The act of faith is of its very nature a free act. And a lot, almost everything in the catechism is quoted. So there's always um, references to the encyclicals. You can find that. God calls men to serve him in spirit and in truth. Consequently, they are bound to him in conscience, but not coerced. Driving at home, this fact received its fullest manifestation in Jesus Christ. Indeed, Christ invited people to faith and conversion, but never coerced them. For he bore witness to the truth, but refused to use force, force to impose it on those who spoke against it. His kingdom grows by the love with which Christ lifted up on the cross draws men to himself. And so I think that's such an important attitude to have when it comes to evangelizing, when it comes to, you know, telling our kids about Christ and leading our kids. I mean, when your kids are younger, it absolutely is appropriate to require them to attend mass with you. I, I certainly did that. But this is because they're still developing and they need that guidance and that discipline. But for adults, we all need to remember uh, the way Jose likes to put it. You can't drag people down to the river and dunk them and call that baptism. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So true. I want to sometimes, <laughs> but, but you can't force people to accept grace and you can't force people to have the gift of faith. You have to just like Jesus did on the cross, draw men, let the love of Christ draw people to him through you. And I mean, that's what I do. That's what I pray a lot of days is just don't let me get in the way, God. Mm. Um, I, d I don't want to be a harm to people's faith. But I do. We do have to remember that that people will have a, they will have their conscience pricked if they're doing wrong, if they're sinning, yes. that God will work on their conscience. Our job is to speak the truth in love, to live a life of faith, to be confident in our faith. Uh, and and to let let Christ be the witness through us. Right. The necessity of faith is the next paragraph. Believing in Jesus Christ and in the one who sent him for our salvation is necessary for obtaining that salvation. You, you have to believe to be saved. Since without faith, it is impossible to please God and to attain to the fellowship of his sons. Therefore, without faith, no one has ever attained justification nor will anyone obtain eternal life, but he in, who endures to the end. Mm -hmm. So this is talking about the necessity of faith. And I think this is a little more confusing, hard to understand. Um, there's, there are phrases that have been studied and parsed and searched. Um, like, is there any salvation outside the church that prompted a whole discussion? There's an encyclical on it. 
um, it, it, I think it's a, a clear, I don't remember it. So this is where I stumble over how to pronounce the Latin words. I can see the encyclical's name in my mind, but I don't feel comfortable saying the word because I might say it wrong. But there are encyclicals that talk about um, what it what it means to be the church. Um, what, what, what does it mean? So, you know, if you say there's no salvation outside the church, well, what does it mean to be the church? Um, does it just mean to be Catholic? And um, the the way the church explains it is there's there are there are circles in humanity. The Catholic Church is the closest to Christ. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, the Protestants, other Christians, are in the next circle out. Um, believers of other faith are in the next circle out, and then there's atheists outside that. And all of those are being drawn to the center to to Christ Himself. And so we, you know, we do believe in the Catholic Church. We have the fullness of the church. And and so the encyclical explains that we're closest to the center of that circle. Not us because we're so great and wonderful, but the church itself, the church that Christ founded. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to cling to that church so you can cling to Christ. Um, but there are people in the world who don't understand that, of course, or who think about it differently. But you do have to have faith to be saved. Now, can you have that faith in the very last moment of your life, right before death? Suppose I suppose you can. So um, we don't always know what people go through in the last moments of their life. Our job is to pray for them and to hope for salvation. So, but for us who know, absolutely, we need faith. If you ever feel like you don't have faith, uh, like we've covered before, the virtue of the theological virtue of faith and prayer. If you ever don't have enough, if you think you don't have enough faith, if you think you don't have faith at all, if you think you're starting to doubt, all you have to do is pray Jesus. One, one little tiny act of faith and the gift is an increase in faith. And if you don't believe me, just try it. I mean, you have to mean it. You can't just mouth the word, but call upon Christ and you will be blessed with the gift of faith. And you will be able to do the next paragraph, persevere in faith. So paragraph 162, faith is an entirely free gift that God makes to man. We can lose this priceless gift, as St. Paul indicated to St. Timothy, quoting, wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting conscience, certain persons have made shipwreck of their faith. (laughs) To live, grow and persevere in the faith until the end, we must nourish it with the word of God like you do, Stacy, reading the Bible every day. We must beg the Lord to increase our faith and seriously beg him, God, grant me the grace to do your will. That's like my prayer all day long, every day. Mm-hmm. And it must be working through charity, abounding in hope and rooted in the faith of the church. So that's how we persevere in faith. I mean, Stacy and I call it riding the struggle bus, <laughs> walking it out, Sitting on the porch swing, sipping tea while it feels like the house is burning down. (laughs) I have some very colorful analogies. (laughs) Persevering in faith. Sometimes I'm like, but I have to be screaming at people. They're not doing it right. And um, my, my fear and anxiety sometimes drives my own people, especially my children, away. So I've learned to stay calm and trust God, even when I think, really bad things are about to happen. Uh, persevere. Um, that is that is so true in our life. And I'm grateful for these words from the catechism that help guide us in that way. 
Yes, absolutely. That is beautiful. I love that picture that you drew about the circles and the church being at the center and being, you know, drawn to the center. Jesus is the center of everything. And I just, you know, that was a great picture for me to just get a visual. I love that. I'm going to post it in the show notes because I will look up that encyclical and post it there in case anyone wants to see it. The unnamed encyclical, because I'm afraid to speak Latin without having the words right in front of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, understand that. I understand that. Trust me. <laughs> I wouldn't even say same Juan, Juan Diego's last name. I can't even say his first name. <laughs> I know. I know. We were we were both trying to say it before. I'm like, just. I think everybody calls him Juan Diego. <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, we apologize. We really do try with the big Catholic words, but um, yes. they're, I mean, they're not, not even Catholic, they're just big words. Big Catholic, we have the big Catholic words, but I also have, you know, my accent, so that kind of <laughs> throws another wrench in there. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, everybody, have a good weekend. We will see you on Monday for the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I'm Stacy Trasenkos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>